2: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
1: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel
3: Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks.
0: Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by New Era Bucky. We are going to continue on with our Edge Prototype podcast today. The Prototype series... Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and this one I think is our best one.
4: Oh, I think it is our best one, and we've talked about it. There are a couple positions that we call the marquee positions in the team building process. The edge rusher is essential. You talk about outside the quarterback. Maybe the most that's, important that's it. position I think it is. is the edge rusher. Can you affect the quarterback in the way that he plays? And so being able to really do a deep dive into edge rushers, what separates some, uh, the great ones from the others, how, it, how you kind of. Planted in place to become a dominant edge rusher how you set it up where you make this splash plays in key moments I can't wait to talk to the guys that we have on tap
0: McCoy in trouble and he's sacked J.J. Watt brings him down Play fake Watson will be hit and down he goes
1: In the backfield there's Vaughn Miller He's gonna get hit he's gonna get sacked the Jags got him Saxonville reared his head Calais Campbell got it Darnold with the pocket collapsing here's a sack ripped down To Clowney gets home to
0: bring down Darnold.
2: Snap back, four-man rush. Big push by Mack. He got to Rodgers, and down he goes! Two and a half sacks for the Mack attack.
0: We've got some great guests talking about Willie McGinnis, uh, future Hall of Famer. And, in our opinion, Demarcus Ware is going to be a Hall of Famer. And we've got uh, the, the man who runs the Senior Bowl, longtime NFL personnel man, Jim Nagy, on to talk about these edge rushers. Uh, Buck, I feel like a lot of times in sports, it's, it's this popular uh, uh, way of thinking right now. People want to know your why, like why, why are you doing what you're doing. So why don't you explain to the folks why we're doing this prototype series?
4: Oh, because I think this is a great opportunity for us to educate the, the listeners on what we're looking for at specific positions a lot of times when, when people throw out lists and rankings of who's the best edge rusher and why is that guy when I just look at the sack line and you know he may not have the number of sacks of the number one guy but it's about the traits it's about the guys that can consistently get it done and i am be honest with you I'm a little biased because uh, in my time as not only a player and a scout I had a chance to play with some great ones hey, roll off I the mean, names here like when, when you think about having to roll into the league. Bruce Smith, who's a he's Hall of Famer. He's pretty good, yeah. Reggie White, who's another Hall bad. of Famer. Not, not, not a bad player. How about play? the guy in Kansas City? Was he any good? Oh, Derek Thomas, another yeah, Hall right. of Famer. And then being able to go to Carolina, and, and we drafted a kid named Julius Peppers, who has also Jeez, been Buck. a dominant player. So when you've been around those kind of guys and you see them in practice and see them in big games and big moments, take it over, the Ed Rusher position is near and dear to my heart.
0: I, I love it. You've been around some great ones, and we're going to get a chance to, to discuss what we look for in that position. Keep in mind, uh, if you want to catch up and you're missing the series, you haven't caught all the episodes, the offense is in the book. It's all out there for you. You can check it out. Quarterback, running back, receiver, tight, end, offensive line. We've got episodes on each of those positions, which I think the folks at home uh, will enjoy. But again, you you said it. Quarterback number one, edge rusher number two. I think you talked to most evaluators around the league. They will agree with that priority. And when you're looking at this position specifically, uh, what are the non-negotiables? What do you have to have?
4: First thing for me is get off. Uh, I'm looking for a guy that can come off the snap like a hurricane, like cat quickness, first-step quickness, being able to put immediate pressure on the offensive tackle. To me, that is essential. I think you have to have that in your playbook to be able to be a dominant player, a guy that can get you 15, 16, 17 sacks a year. I think the next thing, I think you have to have outstanding hands because mm-hmm. so much of being able to get to the quarterback is about winning the hand-to-hand combat battle. Do you have – an array of moves where you can sequence your moves, where you can get off if you can't win with the fastball, meaning your speed and quickness. And then finally, I think you got to have a nonstop motor. Mm -hmm. So much of getting the quarterback down is about the effort and energy that you expend. Can you get them on first, second, third effort when it doesn't go right away? Are you relentless in your approach? Those guys that are the relentless attack warriors, those are the ones that are hard to block over the course of a game.
0: I, I'm with you. Those are the three I would list. The only thing I would say is I might switch the order around a little bit and just say if I'm looking at a college player and you're evaluating him, get off is number one for me. That's where we start, and that's all caps to me. Yep. If, you're, if you're getting ready to watch a player uh, that's rushing the passer, write down get off in all caps on your paper before you turn on the tape because you want to constantly be thinking about that. And then I would write finish in all caps. Absolutely. Right underneath it. And if I've got somebody with great get-off and great finish, hey, we can work with you on the hands. We can get, we can get better. We can You can yes. teach and you can learn. I think you've got get-off or you don't. I think you're innately a finisher or you're not. Uh, to me, those are the things I like to start with, and then we can work on the rest.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You have to finish because there is something to be said for being able to get the guy down. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of guys who are... That's a skill. Yes, near misses. Oh, I could have got there. I touch him, but I don't... Bring in the quarterback down... Is a skill, it's a a trait, it's essential. The other thing that I would uh, throw in there somewhere is disruption, meaning can they force fumbles, can they knock the ball away, do they have an instinct that creates the turnovers? Because we know this game is decided by turnovers. You win the turnover battle by plus one, you win 64% of the games. So a defensive player, an edge rusher that can create a tomahawk chop, a forced fumble, a turnover – those guys kind of separate themselves from the other guys.
0: And I also think, as with, uh, with quarterbacks, when you're watching um, tape, we talked about it in the quarterback episode, those key moments, those clutch moments, I think it was Kurt Warner even said, yeah. I want to see how you perform when everything's on the line on a big stage in a big game. I look at pass rushers the same way. Give me a, give me a close game in the fourth quarter. Give me third down and eight. And you got to make something happen. That, to me, is what separates the good from the great.
4: We talk about it. I need to close it. 100%. I want Mario to come in, and I want him to shut the game down. When we are up, the reason we're paying Ed rushers $20 million is for the fourth quarter. Yep. When the game is on the line, that key moment, third and long, everyone in the stadium knows it's a pass. Everyone knows that you're the guy. I still need you to be the guy that can get there and get it done. And that is the difference between what I think are the premier guys and the guys that are guys that are kind of flashes in the pan.
0: No doubt. And there's also I, the imagery, I sometimes like to think of the imagery with quarterbacks. They say, okay, if, if you can't Im- imagine in your head the confetti falling on their head at, at a Super Bowl winning a yes. title, then you got the wrong quarterback. Absolutely. And to me, when I look at edge rushers, if you can get one on one late in the game and the opposing offensive coordinator is not sweating bullets then you have the wrong guy as a premier edge rusher.
4: I think it's as simple as this. When we're looking at the tape and you're looking at a guy, be it in college or be it in the pros, do you feel like you have to put a little extra attention in his way? Do we need to slide the protection to his side because he can take the game over by himself? And I think when we look at the premier guys in our league, they have shown you time after time, they can take over the game. Aaron Donalds, he's an inside player, not really an edge rusher, but a dominant pass rusher. Von Miller, we've seen JJ Watt, we've seen others. Those guys have shown you. If you leave me one-on-one. It's not gonna end well. I can take over (laughs) the game, and that's what I'm looking for. I want a guy that can absolutely take over the game and do it by himself.
0: That's what we're looking for. Let's get to these conversations. I think the folks are gonna enjoy these. Uh, Coming up again, DeMarcus Ware and Jim Nagy, excellent conversations, but starting things off, it's our colleague here at NFL Media, uh, Willie McGinnis, Uh, A dominant pass rusher, especially when the games matter. You talk about being able to make it happen when it counts. Nobody's done it better than our first guest, Willie McGinnis. 49 seconds remaining in the game. Colts with no timeouts remaining. So they're third and eight at the Patriots 17. Pats lead by three points. Manning out of a shotgun takes the snap. Here's the rush by Willie McGinnis. He sacks him back at the 30-yard line. All right, Buck, look, if we're going to talk about edge rushers and focus on the position, I mean, who's better to talk to than our next guest here uh, with Willie Mack? Willie McGinnis. Uh, Willie, the number 86, the number 86 mean anything to you? Sacks,
3: I think. That's it.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's it. Just 86, no big deal.
3: Just 86 sacks in your career, no big deal there. I know, man, but, you know, well, we'll get into it, but yeah, the eighty six is it's, it's a good number. It's a
4: good number, but it's the postseason number that everyone is excited about, <laughs> well, right? Because you don't
3: combine them. sixteen. See, you had the oh, sixteen and the eighty six, that put puts you over one hundred. But my my role was a little bit different as a as an edge rusher slash outside linebacker slash guy who was in coverage. So it was a little different for me.
4: Well, I think about it being different when you, when you look at today's game and you look at the pass rushers. What are some of the core traits that you look for in an elite pass rusher? Well, I, I think when you talk about lean,
3: a guy being a – well, for, let's back up. Hands, okay? It, you talk about a guy, can he use his hands? Can he separate? Offensive linemen, they want to take away the space. It's our job to create space so they can't grab us and put their and, and have them put their hands on us and slow us down. So when I whenever I talk to young pass rushers, I always tell them, use your hands, create separation. Offensive linemen are like puppets. When you give them something, they shoot. You know, you give them a little bit of something; they shoot. They're taught to shoot their hands, so you got to be able to use your hands really well. Not give your whole frame half a man. We always talk about getting half a man, giving them as least as possible uh, when you're pass rushing. The other thing I think great is really good uh, when you watch really really good pass rushers is their get off. I think Von Miller probably is the best mm-hmm. in the game. He reminds me of the late great uh, Derek Thomas yeah. when you talk about Team get off, getting off the ball um that first step whenever you do drills working on that first step to gain ground and then um having moves to set up other moves you can't be one dimensional i think you got to give an offensive lineman a good offensive lineman a lot of different moves uh to win and keep them mixed up and off balance
0: what is it all? What does it all build off of, though, Willie? We kind of going through a lot of these terms, and um, you know, I wrote down get off hands, power, bend, uh, having a counter. But if you're gonna, if you're, if you're building a pass rusher, what what is the first thing you'd want to start with?
3: Ooh, I would say getting off the ball, speed and explosion. Yeah. You know, being able to being able to look mm-hmm. and get and get off the ball. It really doesn't matter if you can't get off the ball, in that first step, and you don't have that explosiveness. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, unless you're playing inside, now as you move further to the edge, further to that nine technique, you got to be able to run and get off that ball. And then I think hands. I think hands is the best, the best thing over, it. especially long arm guys, guys that have really long arms, like myself, um, Hunter. You watch him, Zadarius Smith. There are a lot of players with really long arms. You can use that hand to. Separate yourself. And you know, when I when I came into the league, Bruce Armstrong was the all-pro left tackle mm-hmm. with the New England Patriots. And when we were doing one-on-ones in practice, he used to kick my <laughs> all the time. He used to beat my butt. And I and, and I would tell him Bruce, like, what, what are you doing? I'm not paying attention to. He's like, You got to figure it out, Rook. You got to figure it out. I started watching mm-hmm. tape, I slowed down the tape. It was his inside hand. It wasn't the outside hand that a lot of people focus on. It was his inside hand. He was getting it on my hip and pushing me out, and he was punching me with it, pulling it back, and then he would grab me with the outside hand. So I went back, and I was like, I got it now. See what it is. I didn't tell him, so I stuck my hand inside, which put his hand behind me. I got to half a man, and now all I had to do was beat one hand. And when I started beating him, he started laughing. He's like, you figured it out. It was my inside punch that you, that, that you couldn't stop. So I think hands are very, very important. Offensive linemen want to grab you. They want to wrap you up. They want to su- suffocate you. They don't want you to, to have that space. They don't want you running. They want you running right in the middle of them. Most, of, most offensive tackles are bigger than defensive ends and outside linebackers. So they're going to win that power battle the majority of the times. But when you have speed... When you have great hands, now they're light, now they're on their feet, and now they're thinking and they're dancing. Then that's when you mix in the other stuff, like the speed, the power, like the shake and bake and go inside. Then you give them a fake inside and you pop back outside. You just start doing everything to them to keep them
4: off balance. So when you you think about the way guys progress going from college to the pros, how much of that stuff can be picked up when you are a pro? How much of it is natural? How much of it is something that you can learn from a good coach kind of showing you how to sequence your moves?
3: I think there are certain guys that have the natural ability to pass rush. When you look at a lot of guys now, they're just great athletes, right? They're fast. They're great athletes. So a lot of these coaches don't develop them at a young age. They put them at the edge, and they say, just run around and tackle. And once you start going against, in college or in the pros, really good tackles, whether right or left tackles, You realize just that bend and that lean and that rip move don't work all the time. They figure that out. They figure that stuff out. So now you got to add different moves and things to your repertoire. Now you got to figure out okay, if I beat him around the edge, what is he going to do? He's going to kick hard. He's going to get out there because the coach is going to say, hey, you got to get out there. You got to get your hands on him. You know that. So then, You get off the ball as fast as you can. One, two-step, boom. And that third step, you're inside. You're beating him inside because he's going to overset you. So now the coach is going to get on him. Hey, you can't give up the inside. That's the fastest path to the quarterback. Don't be so aggressive. Mm -hmm. So now you got him thinking. Now you got him light. Now he's not jumping out. Now he's inside. Now he's sitting up higher. So now you come off the ball flying, and while he's thinking, trying to figure it out, boom, you give him that speed to power. So now you run him over. So there's a lot of different moves that you do, and I think – with certain players um, who already have a speed rush, which most of them do, now you what's the counter? You could do a spin move. You could have a move inside. What's the other move? A shake and bake. You could fake like you're going inside. The head bob. Give them a head. Make them sit down. When you do that, it's so they can sit down because they got to protect that inside. They sit down, and then you get back outside. Now that you got them kind of light on their feet, usually if you're flying off the ball, they're running. You catch them trying to kick with that leg, Boom, and you get your hand inside that chest plate, and now you run them. So there's a lot of different things you can do based on that one.
0: I love that, and it all builds off of each other. Uh, the way you're discussing that there, Willie. One of the things I used to enjoy, I still do it now because we have the technology to do it, but I enjoy watching the sack tapes at the end of the year uh, print out like the top 10 guys in terms of sacks, and you just watch their reel and see how they're getting home. And one of the things that's it's always st- stuck out to me, and it's it's been that way in the past, and I still t- see it today, is how many sacks are kind of on your secondary rush. Um, I, I can't tell you, and Buck, I know you've seen the same thing with teammates on the scouting side, and Willie, yeah. you saw with your teammates. Those rookies that get out there, Willie, and their initial rush is, is stopped and their feet go dead, and they think the play's <laughs> over. And you're like, man, there's there's five or six sacks some of these guys pick up a year off of a secondary rush. And what goes into that, the tenacity to be able to, to fight through that?
3: Well, you just got to understand that, you know, sometimes your initial move is not always going to be your perfect move. It's not always going to work. But you have to keep fighting. And once, like I said, the worst thing is for the linemen to get their hands off you. But if you can maneuver and work your hands and get loose, having that motor, being able to keep going and keep finishing the play, sometimes guys are not going to be open right away. Sometimes the secondary, they do a great mm-hmm. job at covering, and they take away that first look. So the quarterback's going to pull the ball down. The other thing is you're you're taught, and I used to hear this from Parcells all the time, the worst place for a pass rusher is behind a quarterback. Right, So if you got that quarterback perift and he's still even with you and you're rushing the edge, you can see if he pulls that ball down. The lineman has no clue what is going on behind him. So if you stop, usually he'll kind of ease up because he thinks the ball is gone or the play is over. He doesn't know. He's working off of you, basically. So you have to be really good at reading the quarterback, um, understanding when he pulls that ball down, where is his escape? where's his escape lanes, where is he going to go? Never give up the outside because that's usually you. Keep your guy on your inside shoulder. But if you can get around that horn and he's still in that pocket, you got to keep running. If he's trying to step up, you can give him a fake like you're going in there. What is the quarterback going to do? He's going to try to pop out so he can buy time, so he can run and throw the football. So a lot of it, in my opinion, is instinctual. Like you got to have great instincts, but you also got to know what everybody else is doing you know, across the front. If you got guys that are attacking certain gaps, you know there's certain places he can't go, so you can kind of take a calculated guess where you need to be or where the quarterback escape lane is going to be and kind of beat him to the punch.
4: So much of what we've talked about has been about pass rushing, getting after the quarterback, and those things. But the complete guys also are able to set the edge and their yeah. factors against the run. So when you look at the great ones, if you're talking about a great defensive end, what does it take to be a guy that also is able to stop the run when it comes to running outside?
3: I would say just uh, depending on what the coverage is. Like for me, it was always depending on the coverage. If we didn't really do much corner force where the corner had the force. It was either me or Rodney Harrison or me or Lawyer Malloy. It was the outside linebacker or it was the, the strong safety who set the edge. So for me, I understood that when I had force, I made sure I gave myself enough space. I didn't get too tight. I was able to take care of the gap that I was responsible for by pushing the tight end or the tackle in that gap, but also keep my shoulder free and and keep my eyes, my head and eyes on the outside where a lot of edge guys get in trouble is when a back starts to play inside and they look and they peek and then the lineman seals them. Mm -hmm. And then the back pops out. My thing was always be the aggressor, always be the guy to attack. So I would fly off the ball And I would bang the tight end. And I would start to manhandle him or the tackle. And I would set and establish myself outside already. I wanted that back or whoever to see me outside, to let them know right away, you can't get outside. The force is taken care of. They'll stop their feet immediately, and then they'll try to find another gap, or they'll try to go back inside, and then that's when you got guys coming from the opposite side. So for me, it was important, and taking pride of setting the edge, which we always say, was I wanted to be dominant, and I wanted them to know and see me flash. That way they they would think that that
0: gap is not available. I love that. Uh, Willie, if you're looking at this current group of guys – um, and we use the phrase "teaching tape" all the time. You know, right. if if you're gonna take some cut ups and take them to some high schoolers and say, "Okay, this is the guy that you want to emulate and you want to study," is there is there a name that comes to mind amongst all these great pass rushers we have right now? Well, there is. I mean, you got Allen, you
3: got Gary, you got you got a bunch of good guys. I think even Ferguson. There's a bunch of guys that are in this draft that are really explosive, talented um, um, edge rushers, and could be great edge edge stoppers run stoppers um but the common denominator like I said DJ that I always find and I always see is they don't use their hands they go into the blocks with their Mm -hmm. elbows you know or their shoulders and they get locked up um for us uh, you know when I teach these young guys I always teach them like a boxer you keep your hands up you always keep your hands here ready to attack Mm -hmm. because linemen like to load they like to load their hands They take those big steps, and then they bring all that power, and they get into you, and they Mm -hmm. grab you. So if your hands are here, and you see the play coming in, and you shoot, it doesn't matter how strong alignment is. It doesn't really matter. You already have the leverage. You already have your hands inside. You attack the chest plate. Now you have the leverage. Now you have control, so you dictate where you go versus now you're fighting, trying to get his hands off of you, and when the ball goes outside or whatever, you can't get off the block. It's over it's only a matter of seconds before the guy sees it and gets outside and move. Like, plays happen so much faster in high school than college, than college, than the pros, that you don't have that much time. So the lost art with all this, in my opinion, with these young players, is their hands. There's not enough coaches teaching these players to use their hands, shoot their hands, use your hands as a weapon, um, and it helps you so much because it gives you the advantage in the run game and in
4: the passing game. You know, in thinking about two of the premier rushes in the league, you have Von Miller and you have Khalil Mack, two guys that have been very productive, but they have different styles. Von Miller, you talked about his speed, his get-off. Talk about Khalil Mack and how uncommon is it for a power rush to be able to accumulate the sacks and the numbers that Ooh. he's been able to do? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible with him. He got, he, his hands are like stones. You know, he's a
3: powerful guy, but he is fast, too. He's explosive. He's just more powerful. So he uses it a little bit different. When you watch him rush... He's going to hit you with the power, but he's also agile and versatile enough to get off and make moves off of that. So his initial shock is he's coming off speed, power, explosiveness. He gets into you. He gives you that initial shock, and you see those linemen trying to, trying to catch themselves, and then he's off making a play. He's getting rid of them. He's shedding. And this is a guy who played linebacker. You know, I, yeah. if I remember at Buffalo, so he made all-pro yep, at absolutely. linebacker and at defensive end. So it just shows you uh the level of, of athleticism and in the athlete that he is, what he's able to do. But that's rare. You don't find a lot of guys that is, that that's so explosive, that's so athletic um that is so powerful. And When you look at his leverage and the leverage that he plays with, um, his bend and the power that he generates through his bend as he's taking his first two or three steps it's pretty remarkable.
0: Willie, last question from me, and and just kind of as you follow the game as closely as you do and you see the evolution of the RPOs, you see a lot of this college game kind of seeping into the NFL, the ball's getting out, it's going to the perimeter. Um, What should we look at? What should change from an evaluation standpoint when we're looking at guys coming off the edge with how the game is changing and what it's going to look like maybe five, ten years from now? I think the big word is hybrid,
3: right? We always talk about these hybrid Mm -hmm. players, players that are able to do a lot, um, you could be an edge rusher one play, and this is good for defensive coordinators and people that are scheming as well. When when I evaluate and I look at players, I talk about a couple of different things. We all look at pass rushers, and the first thing we say is sacks, right? We look at all these guys that get drafted on the edge. Oh, he had all these sacks, but what about the run game? The teams that are winning the Super Bowls, they run the football as well. They do a good job mm-hmm. at it. So I want a player that... On third down, like me and Mike Vrabel did, we can put our hands in the dirt, and we turn into a natural defensive end because it's pass rush, and we're coming off the ball, and we can play the run if a team tries to run a draw or something off the board. Then on first and second down or 11 personnel, or whatever, when they bring in maybe a speedier receiver, um, and you have to drop in coverage or you know the backs and tight ends, you're able to cover those guys in space. How do these guys move in space? Stand them up, work drills, get them in space. And see how it works. They tried that with Jadavion Clowney. It didn't really work as well. They're talking about doing that with Gary. I'm not sure that that's going to be a good thing for him as well. I know he's athletic and I know he runs well, but it's different when you're covering and you're covering ground, you're covering zones. Yeah, Yeah, it's different movement. you got to be able to flip your hips. you got to read the quarterback. It's quick. The ball comes out quick. These receivers are fast. Learning how to jam, um, where to be, and then also play to run from in space. So, I'm looking for guys that are able to do a, a lot of different things. If I need him on first and da- second down, if we're playing a certain coverage where we got a banjo or back, which means the linebackers got him man to man, we got the tight ends and backs, he, he's able to do that. He runs really well. Uh, if, if it's first and second down, I need him to hunker in there in a the six technique over the tight end or a five technique over the tackle and be stout enough and play the run and set the edge, he can do that. But, um, can he rush off a of first or second down? Of course, but I'm looking for a guy who's versatile, versatile enough to do all those different things, and um, it's hard to convert. Parcells did it with me because he started early, and I guess I was athletic enough to do it, but he told me right when I came in, you're going to do everything. You're not just going to be a pass rusher. You're going to cover, and you got to learn it, and I don't want to hear any excuses, Then that was the end of it. Like I, I was like, all right, but it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But that made me more valuable to my team because I didn't have to come off the field ever. When we went to goal line, I became that outside linebacker on the on the edge. You know, when it was 11 personnel or whatever, and they, I needed to walk out on, on number two, I was good in coverage. Um, when we had to rush, it was third down. All I did was put my hand in the dirt and I was coming off the edge. First and second down, runner pass, it didn't really matter. I could play every play. And I think right now, certain players are in in a a certain um we only use them one they're they're one dimensional there's not a lot of great outside linebacker slash dns or the word elephant uh type players that Mm -hmm. can do it all and i think that starts at the lower levels we don't ask them to do those things we put them in one position and we tell them to go but if we start Mm -hmm. training them early enough they'll start using their feet they'll stand up they'll be more comfortable in space They'll understand that the more they can do, the more valuable they they will become to their teams.
4: See, the, like that conversation that you just had about guys being complete players, standing up and doing all those things. I'm really surprised you were never my teammate. And I'm surprised you were never my teammate in college because the greatest player that has ever done that was Lawrence Taylor. Right. Lawrence Taylor being a DN outside linebacker. So I want to take you all the way back to 1993. And I think we came to Anaheim and we played, Carolina played USC in oh, the Pigskin Classic. <laughs> oh,
5: and I boy. just wonder there we
4: go. if at any time during that game when we're kind of running up and down the field, did you ever regret not wanting to be a Tar Heel? Did you ever regret not wanting to be not at all, someone man. that that came and, and and stood in the shadows of Lawrence Taylor and learned how
3: to play the game in a dominant fashion? I love Lawrence Taylor. He was one of the guys that I watched. He was, a, he, was, he was one of the linebackers. I watched Derek Thomas, like I said. I watched Lawrence Taylor, Andre Tippett. Those were my guys that I watched. And the one thing that I remember in playing you guys, the Tar Heels down in Anaheim, was – I didn't get a lot of action to side. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, DJ? You guys ran out our safety, it was Mike Sammon. Nine, Willie. What the heck, listen, man? Listen, listen what I'm saying. They ran the ball more than they passed, though. We ran the entire game. Yeah, really they through, ran the. Really threw seven passes. Yeah, they ran the entire game, DJ. I, I
4: caught one though. So, I caught a big one. What they did was they were smart.
3: They schemed well. They did not run at number fifty-five. They ran out our safety. I'm not going to say no name, but he knows what I'm talking
4: about. You might have run the option <laughs> a ran, little bit.
3: Right, they went down to our down safety, and they, they did pretty well. They might even knock one of well, our safeties out of the game. Mike, 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 Mike don't just say out. his name. Mike, we, we might knock even down. knock one of our safeties out of the game. And I was really frustrated that I, didn't, that I didn't get no action. You know, I would love to go back and watch that game and just see. They did a great job at game oh, we got to find that tape. <laughs> it's on YouTube, you
4: DJ. If you want to watch tape, it, it's man. on YouTube. I, I may have been perusing the net. It's, it's out there. You can check it out. <laughs> oh,
0: come on. All right. I'm, I'm going to do that. Hey, Willie, just so you know, uh, September 21st, North Carolina hosts App State this year. So. Oh. Uh, I'm going for that's a joke, It's a joke for <laughs> us. That's Up right. State. That's it's right. a <laughs> You're feeling
3: good, huh? You're feeling strong. huh? Mac Brown is back. Coach He's Brown not. Back. He, he ain't ready. feeling.
0: He ain't feeling good. Trust me, he is not feeling good. Uh, hey, Willie, thank you so much for your time, man. And for those listening, look, this guy has a red jacket for being uh, in the Patriots Hall of Fame. It's time he got a gold jacket and went into <laughs> the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. There's nobody that dominated big games on the big stage from that position like Willie McGinnis did 16 sacks in the postseason get this guy a gold jacket already what's taking so
4: long appreciate it DJ hey man you hit the nail on the head when you talked about Willie McGinnis being one of the best to ever do it especially in big moments the insight that he brings to the position because it's more than just a physical position in terms of just being able to run around the, the, the corner and get to the quarterback understanding how you set up your hand placement how to set up your moves and sequence your moves. Better yet, the energy that you have to expend. I think the the big thing for me is him talking about Von Miller and the get-off and how I reminded him of my former teammate, Derek Thomas, and the way that he was able to take over games. I believe when you have those kind of guys, they kind of jump out they pop off the tape right away.
0: Uh, no doubt. And by the way, you can't just gloss over the the, uh, the USC, North Carolina trash. Well, I
4: mean, it's day. one of those things like, uh, you know, I, I learned, <laughs> um, you know, when, when you win. Why would you have to do that? Was this wouldn't. Nice but but it, it, was, it was one of those things, you know, like everybody always talks about the traditional programs. And I know yeah. SC is a program that has had great players. But I just kind of like it was one of, one of the big moments in our career to come out to California and to put the B down that we put on <laughs> SC kind of, you know, it's kind of one the the cherries on the Sunday for my college career.
0: Yeah, well there you go. Look, if I had done the same thing, I probably would have said it. But I, again, I would have done it for a safe distance from Willie. <laughs> if I'm going to have those those conversations. Uh, anyways, Willie Willie is awesome. Uh, coming up, uh, we've got a couple more interviews coming your way. Demarcus, where if you've ever wondered what went into his mind on the fake spin sack, Ooh. that famous fake spin sack he had against Joe Staley, he's going to explain that uh, in just a little bit. You're going to want to stick around uh, for that. But first up. Uh, Jim Nagy, somebody we've known forever in the scouting world, won a bunch of Super Bowls in New England with Willie McGinnis, uh, spent time in Kansas City, spent time in Seattle, helped build that Seattle roster into one of the best we've seen uh, in the last couple decades, Buck. He's, he's got a great eye for talent and, uh, and somebody we've both known for a long time I have a lot of respect for. Wanted to get his thoughts on the edge position. So here's our conversation with Jim Nagy. Hi, Jim. We had a chance to talk to a guy you know quite well, Willie McGinnis, talking about the edge position. And when I first talked to Willie, the first thing I think of it and even talk to him about it all the time is, Willie, how, it's not easy for us to find guys uh, like you. Uh, just talking about <laughs> Willie McGinnis as an edge rusher, how unique it is with his combination of size, power, speed and everything he brought to the table
1: yeah that's a great point daniel i i think it goes back to um my time in new england and coach belichick would always say certain guys don't grow on trees so we we, we really weren't out there looking for the next Willie McGinnis because they don't uh they don't happen very often but no i think i think what willie brought to the table was the biggest things were his combination of length and power um usually long guys you know sometimes struggle playing with a ton of power usually power players are more compact um but Willie was such a specimen. And then he could use that length, use that power. And he also had the speed factor, too. So, again, that's why he was such a high pick and such a productive NFL player. I think he and uh, his career with most uh, playoff sacks, yeah. something like that. But, uh, you know, great rusher. But Willie was truly unique. I mean, you walk out on a you know how it is. You go to a college football field and if a guy pops out to you, you know, he's an NFL prospect. Rarely do you go on an NFL practice field and a guy kind of sticks out. Well, Willie even stuck out on an NFL practice field. That's when
0: you know you got a great one. No no doubt. You mentioned the combination of, of speed or power. Is it possible in your mind to be a successful edge defender, edge rusher in the National Football League if you don't have either speed or power?
1: I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you, you you can win with your speed, you can win with power, and then you can win with your savvy and your know-how and your hand use and be a technician, but I think you have to have one element of the speed or the power, and it's the guys that can translate that speed to power, as you know. Um, that's when you really start separating yourself and, and – um, you know, finding the guy, to, to me, the biggest thing is finding guys that know how to rush.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, and they can incorporate all those things and know how to use all their tools.
0: When you look at, at some of the guys you had in New England, obviously you had some prototype players and size was a big part of it. But when you look around the league in your time, in the scouting world, and, and you see guys like an Elvis Doomerville have success. Even somebody, you know, Lamar Woodley was not six foot five. Uh, but when you see guys that maybe lack that elite size but have success, and, and in a couple cases, you're not even talking about just blurs, we're not talking about somebody that's just a, a pure speed rusher, maybe somebody like a Vic Beasley. But what is it about the guys that don't have those ideal traits in terms of size that are able to be successful?
1: I think the two guys that you talked about, Elvis and Woodley, both the unique thing about both those guys were the body types. They mm-hmm. were, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Doom- Doomerville might have been right at six foot or, or even 5'11 yeah. and change. And uh, I, I remember Lamar was right around 6'1, but they both had disproportionately long arms. Mm-hmm. So they did have the length factor working for them, which was huge. Um, I think one player that I've been with uh, most recently was Frank Clark mm-hmm. in Seattle and just the explosion, the explosiveness and the violence that he rushes with. And that's kind of what makes Frank special is that, uh, you know, he's so explosive on contact and he's, he's such a violent, violent rusher. Um, and I know you were around a guy probably in Baltimore, Michael McCreary. he was kind of different in the sense that I, I always felt like Michael won with his relentlessness in mm-hmm. his motor. You know, he, he, got a lot of those motor sacks, cleanup sacks. so it can come in all, all shapes and sizes, but, um, yeah, to me, you can't just pinpoint a body type, but one thing they usually have to have is arm length.
0: You talk about the length as well as some of the snap and, and that shock in your hands, uh, as well yeah. as being able to roll your hips. When you're watching the the body coming off the edge and you're scouting and you're getting ready to take your notes there, Jim, the first thing you look for as the snap begins is what?
1: Well, first thing would be snap anticipation. You know, some guys can can really get off the rock. They just have a knack for it. Um, And other guys, even though they're very explosive, you look at their 10 10 yard dash times coming out of the combine and you don't see it equate to sack production. A lot of times when you go back after seeing a great 10 yard time, it's the reaction time off the ball is slow. So that's really the first thing I look at is can they anticipate the snap count and get off. And then what, how much ground do they cover with that first step? That first step explosion is key. No doubt. I, I always like uh,
0: freezing the frame on maybe the first 10 or so pass rush opportunities when you're watching a guy. And just say, hey, on that group of defensive linemen, is he the first one uh, with his hand up and, and the first one getting off the ball? It's usually a pretty good indication, even just over a 10-snap sample.
1: Absolutely. No, see, using that slow-mo button is huge for, uh, for these rushers. That, Like you said, like that first quarter, first quarter and a half, just to get a feel who's getting off.
0: How about the ability to finish, uh, Jim? The importance there and what you look for.
1: Yeah, you know that's a key thing too. Some guys can, some guys are more disruptive than productive. That if that makes sense, they can mm-hmm. get around the quarterback. But really, getting them on the ground is is the next step. And I always go back to scouting Chris Long when he was coming out of Virginia. I think his junior year, you put on Chris's tape, and he was always around the quarterback. You know, you know, disrupting, affecting throws. But then that senior year, he comes back, and a lot of people wondered why he came back. And then that senior year, he came back, and he really, really learned how to finish and get the quarterback on the ground. So that's uh, it's key for those guys in the NFL. That's, that's how they make their money. You, you can't just uh, affect throws. you got to get them on the ground. So, no, d- finishing is definitely, I think it's something you can learn. I think that, uh, you know, being coached up and being around other great rushers, they can kind of teach you tricks of the trade. But I think one thing that if you see all great guys that can finish, they're not always going to get there and get a clean shot. I always look for grip strength in a rusher too because if they can get around the quarterback and grab some cloth and pull that guy down, that, that's a key component to uh, finishing.
0: One of the underrated uh, aspects of the position, in my opinion, and really just started paying attention to this the last couple years, talk about finishing, uh, vision to me. When you've got athletic quarterbacks we have in the game right now who are going to be able to climb and move around inside the pocket, a lot of times uh, your your aiming point changes in the middle of a play, and vision to me, being able to see and find the quarterback, has become very underrated.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think think having awareness as a rusher, Um, is huge and when you see a guy that has some awareness off the edge and knows where the quarterback's going then you start thinking well what could we do if we moved him inside you know Mm -hmm. because if you you got to have awareness in there too it's like uh you know, look at some of these great rushers that, that inside guys that can get their hands up and bat a bunch of balls down. That's a critical thing. Knowing where the quarterback is, being able to get your hands up. So a lot of people wouldn't think that, you know, that vision is key for a rusher, but it is. If you, you see these tunnel vision guys that just get locked on the blocker in front of them, um, really have a hard time.
0: Uh, last question on these edge rushers. How important is it uh, with scheme fit, or has that changed at all from, from when you started in the league? Um, look, we had kind of true 4-3 teams, true 3-4 teams. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of changes over the years, but is there still an importance you place on fit and scheme?
1: I think there is overall big picture in your defense, but I think if you can find a guy that can – that can get to the quarterback, you, you got to find a place for them. there's so few guys that can really do it at a high level that if, if you find a guy that's maybe outside of your scheme and your prototype, um, you got to rely on your defensive coordinator, figure out a way to, to get on the field and use them. Because again, as scouts, you and I, we go out on the road looking for those guys all year. And you might, you might see one guy that can rush the quarterback the entire fall. So, um, you know, I think coordinators are being more, um, they're just being more creative with how they design fronts nowadays so i think you can get different body types um you know in different positions on the field uh, regardless of where you are
0: yeah to summarize you can rush the passer we'll make room we'll f- we'll find that's, a spot right. for
1: you we'll find a spot for you
0: well dude i can't thank you enough for your time man it's awesome stuff uh, i really appreciate you bud all right buck well uh, look you had a chance to, to hear that chat there with, with Nagy and talking about edge rushers a lot of times it's a prototype series we're talking about wanting guys with prototype size but it doesn't necessarily have to be the tallest guy in the world we've seen guys they can get it done without that height but the length that does matter
4: yeah the length matters because when you you're an edge rusher you're dealing with these long athletic offensive tackles and they're able to put their hands in your chest and if you don't have the length to kind of knock their hands away it makes it really really tough they just ride you around the perimeter so if you're an undersized guy you do have to have great arm length and you have to have what I call a special trait. It has to be something else that you bring to the table. Cat-like quickness, an explosive spin move, something that makes you super slippery. You have to be able to make up for your height deficiency with some athleticism, something that allows you to kind of dominate, some kind of superiority when it comes to the athleticism.
0: I love the, uh, the conversation about Chris Long well, you talked about earlier disruption versus production. You saw somebody as a young player that was disruptive, and then by the time at the end of his college career yes. turned it into production, and that's something you want to see uh, when you're watching these guys as they continue to grow uh, and uh, get a chance to evaluate them. All right, Buck, I had a chance to, to talk with DeMarcus Ware, and if you've watched the NFL over the last 15-plus years, you know who DeMarcus Ware is, and you know he emerged as really a prototype, if not the prototype at the position. Talk about the arm length the ability to win with speed, with power, uh, a technician, and somebody who's been very involved in mentoring this next wave of pass rushers, Uh, I promise you're going to enjoy this chat with DeMarcus Ware.
4: This is the game. Roethlisberger in the shotgun. They need to reach their own 48 to continue. Denver rushes five again. Roethlisberger deep drop, pumps, and he pulls away. And he's going to be stacked. And the ball bounces free. Denver's football. DeMarcus Ware.
0: All right, excited to be joined by DeMarcus Ware. And when I say a prolific pass rusher, uh, 138 and a half sacks, I think, qualifies you as a prolific pass rusher. DeMarcus, <laughs> first of all, thank you so much uh, for the time today. Do you ever get sick of, of hearing that number? You know, what? I never get
5: sick of hearing that number, especially now that I'm done. I always just think about, like, how did I do it? Like, how did I actually be so consistent throughout my whole, throughout my whole career, and uh, it's actually pretty cool to see when you name named stone with guys that you looked up to, like Bruce Smith, Michael Strahan, just to name a few.
0: Well, I want to start kind of kind of back at the beginning. We're going to dig into to, uh, the pass rushers and what makes a great pass rusher. But I'm just curious in your individual story, uh, I remember scouting you uh, at Troy. I remember having those discussions in the Ravens draft room with Ozzie Newsome. And Ozzie couldn't get over the fact that how the heck did Alabama miss on this kid? So <laughs> how did you t- – walk us through the journey. How did you end up at Troy? How did that happen?
5: You know, the crazy thing is I was a 185-pound wide receiver. I got recruited by no one, and Troy gave me an opportunity opportunity, one scholarship, and they opened the door for me. And the rest is history. I hit a growth spurt in our college, got a six foot five, two hundred and fifty one pound run, a four four in the combine, did good in the senior bowl, and I made a name for myself. And I think that's where it starts at being the underdog. I always had some type of fight. And that's what pass rushers gotta have as well.
0: As a great pass rusher, having been around other great pass rushers, is there something personality wise that you guys all share?
5: I don't, I don't think there's like a, a true ingredient, but you know that you've got to change the ingredient and keep the spice right? And a lot of the guys <laughs> yeah. always have the ability of the tenacity to get to the quarterback, being able to convert speed to power, being able to now push the guy to the quarterback, make the pocket right, but they're all team players. All great passers are team players. And that's something that you can't, you know, go out and get a miserable and say they run a 40 or they make this they actually have to sort of earn their captainship, what I call it, that's my word, uh, and they're usually the captain of the team. So uh, they're great leaders.
0: You mentioned there about speed to power, and we reference it all the time in the, in the scouting process, but can you walk us through being able to set that up? You know, I think of it sometimes almost like a pitcher, you know, you're going on the mound, you kind of have a game plan for a batter. Uh, did right. you have a game plan for the guys you were going up against about whether you are going to work speed off power or power off speed? Did that change game to game?
5: Yeah, I have a game plan every time. And as I teach you guys now, the first thing I teach you is speed. You got to have a fastball, just like you said, your you're first pitch down. And the power will be your curveball and baseball. But you have to get the tackles to sort of first, you know, you got to get off the ball. You got to get them to open their data and sort of have their back horizontal to the football. So now they can't think. And then you convert into power, to push the guy to close the pocket up and to make the quarterback get off his uh, set point. And that's like the first essential thing that you teach a pass church. First, speed, 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 like the fastball. Now, the curveball is the power. Bring the power. So now you can keep them off the feet.
0: I want to get to you know in the scouting process and we get to the spring, we get to pro days. Uh, what would you say are some good drills or good tools uh, we can use on the scouting side to be able to evaluate whether or not a guy can bend? you know we see a lot of times uh, guys run the loops uh, run the hoops and we want to keep an eye and see can you keep all your cleats in the ground as you're coming ar- around the, the hoop there but is there are there some drills you prefer where you feel like you can get a good evaluation of these guys?
5: I would always look at how fast they are in the linear motion, and I would do like a, a five-yard get-off. That's usually all you need when you're, you know, using speed. And then I'll do a change of direction drill, like some type of ladder drill. I would do a 510, 5 cone to see how fast they can change direction because also when you get a big guy that's versatile, let's say if you're getting off the ball and then all of a sudden there's a screen play. They got to now change it, have a change of direction, and now go convert and make a tackle. So when you get guys, um, they can have good change of direction, great linear speed, but great anchor. How are they anchoring when they have some type of weight on a three hundred fifty pound tackle center guard? What is, is this, how do they actually take that on? Are they going to move or if they're in the corner, like you said, attraction around with uh, around the hoop? How much traction are they getting? Do they fall at the finish? Are they slipping at the beginning? Or do they have that cat-like instinct? And those guys like Calais Campbell, Eric Gall, Vaughn Miller, uh, uh, Khalil Mack, those guys, you don't see them on the ground, because cats don't like to fall.
0: Well, I want to get to one specific play in your career, and I'm sure it won't take you long to figure out which one I'm talking about. But I think there's a a component of pass rushers that gets lost. That's creativity. Um, And and for you to bust out the fake spin move, walk us through how you came up with that. Was that something that just happened on the field? Did you prepare that? Because that's one of the craziest things I've ever seen.
5: You know, there was something that, you know, the fake spin move was not prepared at all. I actually was on speed, speed, speed to set him up. And then the first time I spun, he spun with me. He was the only tackle. Joe Staley is one of those guys where he ad lives when he's when he, when he, uh, fast blocking. And he, I spun, he spun, he's right in front of me. And I said, well, maybe three thirds, downs down the road, I could do like a half spin. He would think I would spin. He spins around and so turns back to me. And then I can just go forward to the quarterback. And when that happened, I got off the ball, I had spun and turned, and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't wait for it. And <laughs> going from the quarterback. And I just ran and got the sack. So it was an ad lib thing. That's what you have to do as a rusher. You can't just say I'm gonna do speed, I'm gonna do power. You gotta change it up uh, during the football game.
0: Oh, that's, that's one of the, my all-time favorite sacks uh, in the history of the NFL, uh, showing the combination of the creativity, the athleticism. Uh, last question for me. Um, it, are there evolving pass rush moves still to come here? Uh, is there more out there, or is everything you can do pretty much already known? I, I'm just curious to know, is, is there a way this thing gets taken to the next level?
5: I think uh, with pass rush moves you can always evolve from your own time you can teach someone how you do it, but their time is going to be different than yours. I think all the match moves are out there, but I added things in my arsenal like mixed martial arts. Because in the trenches, you are having a lot of hand-to-hand combat. And with that, I would use that. It's almost like, who is the attacker first? The person that attacks first is the person that's probably going to usually win the battle. And how are you defending yourself? Are you setting the guy up from a you know, hand spike move? Are you setting him up from some type of push technique? But you know that already ahead of time, and you can set the guy up and win. So I think this adding more to our really already the plethora of cash rush moves that are out there, and mixed martial arts, and different type of uh cardio uh, to that, that's gonna really set you over the top and get your, your toolbox right.
0: Well, man, this is awesome. I got a bunch of notes here uh, that I took down and I felt like we really learned something there on the art form of the pass rush, an art form that you perfected over your career. And DeMarcus, uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Really appreciate it. All right, Buck, I love getting a chance to to visit with DeMarcus. I'm still trying to figure out how this dude was a 185-pound wide receiver in high school. How did that
4: happen? I mean, that's unbelievable. uh, But... It kind of, we always talk about it in the run to the draft, like so much is made of size. Mm-hmm. And if a guy's big enough, is he sturdy enough, is he going to be able to hold his own against the run? But as we've seen this league evolve, it's still about getting to the pass. No question. And so he emerging from 185-pound wide receiver <laughs> to being one of the best pass rushers in the game gives some of these undersized, light guys a little hope that they also can kind of carve out a nice niche for themselves in the National Football League.
0: And, and how great is it to hear him discuss the, the Joe Staley sack I mean, it's really one of the more memorable sacks. When, when a sack goes viral, uh, okay, what, did, he, did he dump somebody on the ground? Like This was a combination of creativity and athleticism that I don't know you'll see again.
4: No, I don't know if you'll ever see anybody kind of put together that kind of move or be able to against do Against an elite player like Joe Staley. an elite player where it doesn't look manufactured or predetermined, the way that it looked so instinctive and how real it was when he set up the, the spin. He really had to get into them. To come around and really sell him that he was going inside. But that takes a, a, a rare athlete, someone that has to have outstanding balance, body control, and overall athleticism to be able to pull it off.
0: I also thought one more point was the uh, you talk about hands. We say, okay, get off and effort, those things we want to see right away. Hands you can improve. And training in mixed martial arts, a lot of these pass rushers have seen that really help them in that hand to oh, hand combat.
4: Absolutely. If you can be a dominant, Pass rusher. You need to go see Mr. Miyagi. You need to be able to wax on and wax off yeah. to be able to come yeah. off. You know, maybe you, need to might, you might have to go to Cobra Kai. He's still around. I know this. If I, if I was coaching the D-line, I'm going to put them on the fence and I'm going to make them paint <laughs> and I'm going to make them go up and down and I'm going to make them do all those things that they find annoying so I can get their hand skills right. By the way, to be able to, uh,
0: to work at a diner in Happy Days <laughs> and then transition to Mr. Miyagi, one of the more versatile actors that we've seen, uh, hats off, uh, Pat Morita? Pat, uh, Mar- I got that right, behind the glass? Oh. yeah we can go with that we we'll go, go with that, that. mr miyagi <laughs> mr miyagi great actor, great actor. <laughs> shout out mr miyagi all right our uh, our prototypes at the position buck when we're looking at edge rushers in this league i know we've got the best pass rusher in the league right now is actually an inside guy uh in aaron donald but you're looking out there on the edge um is there somebody that comes to mind
4: i mean i think it, it comes down to to one or two guys yep. and i think it's either von miller or khalil mack yeah and it kind of depends on Packaging. What's what your flavor? You like? yeah. yeah, if your flavor is, look, I want an explosive edge rusher that has outstanding get off, outstanding athleticism, has all of what I would call the finesse moves that you want to see, then Von Miller's your guy. Yeah. If you want a power-based rusher, a guy that can really set it up with the bull rush and then use all of the power-centric elements to get to the quarterback, I think it's Khalil Mack. And so either way, it just depends on what your flavor is. Both of those guys are the prototypes of the position.
0: We've got some other great ones. I mean, we've seen Frank Clark, Demarcus Lawrence. We've seen so Joey Bosa. Those are great players. Um, but i want to do an exercise with you. Every time I think we're going to agree on something, we don't. But I think, I think I feel confident here, okay? So, and I like to do that imagery, okay? Okay, okay, So, our, our team's in the Super Bowl. Mm. We've, we're, we're on offense, trying to score a touchdown to win the game. It's third and eight. We've got to get a first down to keep our championship hopes alive. The one pass rusher. Don't say it yet. We'll say it on three. The one pass rusher that would scare you more than anybody else is Super Bowl in the Super in the okay. Super Bowl. this one pass rusher. We don't want to see him. And only we only say one guy. So on the count of three, we'll say who it is. I think we're going to say the same guy. You ready? I hope so. All right. Three, two. One, Von, Von Miller. Miller. Yes, there we go. There we, so go we, we finally agreed.
4: That was the plan. I was wondering because he was Super Bowl MVP. I was like, that's why well, yeah, I wanted, that's, I wanted seen to make sure. We've
0: seen that specifically. I wanted to make sure that you said. But he puts Super Bowl. more, to me, he puts more fear, thinking from an offensive standpoint. Yes. I'd be more scared of Von Miller <laughs> than anybody else.
4: Yeah, I think so. And I think the reason why is because of the speed and quickness. It's, it's such a, a. And it a problem. sets up
0: everything else. He it wants does, to because
4: do. then what happens, then you get a. An offensive tackle who is overextending, trying to get Pitching outside. The spin then he has a cycle, and counter. Inside. He has all of those things. Now, I will say, because we have seen Khalil Mack win a Defensive Player of the Year award. He Great does player. Have Great player. The ability to come off the edge and use his speed and quickness. But really, his game is about power. His game is about bullying you to the point of submission. And so, dominant player. But in that scenario, I'm going to go with Von Miller over.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. But I, look, you can't go wrong with all those other guys we mentioned. I just think. In terms of the fear factor, I go Vaughn uh, on that one as well. All right, uh, wrapping up here, Buck, we've got episodes out there, though, if you haven't checked them out on quarterbacks, uh, running backs, receivers, tight ends, offensive line. Uh, We've got one more episode to come. That's going to be on cornerbacks. Uh, which we've got some great guests. That conversation with Sean Springs, trust me, you're going to want to turn into that one uh, to hear what he had to say. He was fantastic. Uh, Any other final takeaways before we get out of here?
4: No, I think this is an outstanding series. Any aspiring scout or even a guy who is scouting in the business now, like I found that I've learned so much from participating in this exercise and in listening back to these podcast episodes, I think you have to kind of dig in and make sure you listen to all the prototypes. We've covered it all, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end offensive line there we got the edge rusher and the cornerback position to come check it out I think it's only going to make you a better evaluation. And
0: you said check it out nfl.com slash mts prototype if you've missed any of the episodes you can find them all there one stop shop uh, and do us a favor pass those along uh, tweet those out let your uh, buddies know I think they'll get a kick out of it as well um, by the way URL? I mean, we can get your own URL on there for a series. That's kind of a big deal, right?
4: It's kind of a big deal. NFL.com
0: slash MTS prototype. Pretty cool. All right, that's going to do it for us. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. Thanks for listening to Move the Sticks, presented by New Era.
3: Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts.
1: If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at FisherHomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
2: Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
0: Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh?
2: Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh. (laughs) Ah,
1: love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in!
0: Ah,
4: ski slopes. Let's
2: do it. Um, can a girl go shopping?